You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Marjolyn Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you can join us. Welcome. We're here with Christine Cook, OD. She is the owner and partner of an MDOD practice in Virginia Beach and the current president of SECO. Joining us also is the president-elect of SECO, Michelle Cooper, OD of Greenville, South Carolina, where she owns a private practice. What's exciting about this moment in SECO's 100-year history is that it's the first time that one woman OD president is handing the gavel to another. So we're so glad to be able to talk to you about this because it's not just a moment, right? It's a it's a transition that's happening in optometry, certainly, and, and I'm certain that you see it in the, the SECO states as, as well. Dr. Cook, have you seen the representation of women increase in during your time with SECO and, and even in your year as president? Uh, I have, and that's something that I've, I've kind of watched over the years because my class, which I graduated 25 years ago, was 50% women. And I believe in SECO's history, we had one president in 1933 who was a female. And she was the outlier, of course, because some 84 years later, we had our second female in Dr. Lynn Hammonds. And now just a few years after her comes me and then Michelle right after me. And we have two or three ladies uh, in line to move through the chairs. They've um, announced their intention to run. And I'm excited to see that because our profession is is half women currently, and that number is only going to grow. My understanding, I was just at uh, one of the colleges visiting, but some of the classes are three-quarters women. So I'm excited to see more of us moving into leadership roles. Um, I've heard a few comments from some of the gentlemen that they don't really understand, I guess, the the importance of that to us. But if you have been, I'll use this phrase for lack of a better term, in a box and you're the first one, two, three out of the box, that's an exciting time and a big deal. Um, and I cannot think of a better person to pass the gavel to than Dr. Cooper. She is very intelligent, very caring, and I count her as one of my very best friends through our uh, time together at SECO. Dr. Cooper, what have you seen in, in your time in practice? Um, I would say the same thing. I mean, it's amazing how many more women there are. And one of the things that um, sticks out for me is I went to UAB and graduated in 94. And one of my mentors and um, instructors was Dr. Kathy Amos, who was also a big SECO uh, volunteer. And she was one of the, the, or she was the first female graduate of the UAB School of Optometry. So to go from, to see someone like Dr. Amos, who was a trailblazer and one of the first to now where that's, that's the norm rather than the exception is to me really exciting. Women are comprising a, a majority of optometry school graduates and have been for, for years. But do you see that same representation in leadership positions? Slowly but surely, we're getting there. It's nice that, um, you know, our national organization, the AOA, it's been nice to see the female presidents there. If you look at their board of trustees and their leadership structure right now, 
There are several women. Also, the deans of our optometry schools. I mean, we have so many female deans of optometry schools now where before that was that was not the case at all. So it's slowly but surely changing. And it's an exciting it's an exciting thing to see. It's especially gratifying to see more women taking over leadership roles because I think a lot of us struggle with work-life balance. Um, at least in my home, <laughs> I feel like a lot of the child caring and, and home management seem to fall to me, whether by design or by choice, because I tend to be a person who likes to know what's happening. Uh, but I feel that there are probably a lot of younger uh, doctors out there who may be starting their families who are concerned about the time that it would take for them to be involved in leadership away from their families. But I can tell you, I've been in some form of leadership for the last 20 plus years. And with a little bit of help from the village around me, I was able to do it. And I would like to encourage more women to consider that. It, it really is a doable thing. It's very interesting. I remember when I was interviewing for optometry school um, and trying to get uh, back in college, it was 1990. And I was, you know, talking with some of my faculty, my undergrad, and I remember one of the questions I was asked was, how do you plan to balance your work and your family? And at first, you know, I kind of got my hackles up because I thought, do you ask the male applicants this question? But um, so it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But I will say, as you know, I'm like Christy, I've got three kids and I've been involved in optometry and organized optometry my whole career. And, and as she said, it takes a village, but you know, you just, you just do it. And, you know, we're women, we're pretty tough. We're good at multitasking. So, <laughs> so, but, but I think what's important too is, is people don't come into an organization like SECO and the next year you're president, you know, how did you kind of move through and begin to accept more and more responsibility? Uh, Dr. Cook? I never in a million years imagined I would be president of an organization like SECO. I was fortunate when I entered the practice, which I now currently own, but was an employee in the beginning, that the the doctor encouraged me to get involved. He uh, offered to help pay my dues and, and said, go to the local society meetings, go to the state association. And so I showed up and was at most of the meetings, and within a year maybe two, I was asked if I would like to be a trustee at large at the local society. And I just started there. And it just seems to be an upward trend. You work your way up through the chairs, as I think they're called at all at all of our organizations, and you reach your presidency at the local level, and then the state asks you if you'd like to get involved. Um, and I, I, if someone asks me and if I can be of service, I, I, I tend to do it. And so that's just snowballed into being the president of this organization. Uh, and I still am amazed that, that I have, have been able to do all of this, but it, I've gotten far more out of it, I think, than I ever put into it. Dr. Cooper, did your path look like that? Oh, absolutely. I was the same way. I started out, um, I was asked to be our local society president, I guess because I showed up to all the meetings. <laughs> <laughs> and and maybe the one meeting I didn't go to, I got volunteered. I started just taking things on. And as Christy said, you just kind of move through um, different positions, starting locally and then through your state. 
And then with SECO, I was a past president of the South Carolina Optometric Physicians Association. So then I went on to be a trustee with SECO. And it was such a dynamic organization. I was served as a trustee for several years. And I said, you know, this is an organization I definitely want to dedicate my time to. This is just something incredible that I want to be a part of. And so that's what kind of motivated me to go further and, you know, start moving from trustee to executive committee and on up. Absolutely. Uh, You just sort of gain all of this experience and institutional knowledge along the way. And I felt the same. I, I feel like Virginia has a very strong leadership and core of optometrists there, movers and shakers, if you will. And so I was worried about the culture when I left the VOA and moved into the SECO structure, you do have to be a president or a past president of your state association in order to become a trustee. But I got there and it didn't take me very long to feel right at home uh, because I guarantee you the people at SECO are are definitely movers and shakers and they genuinely care about what they're doing and about the organization, about optometry as a whole. I feel I have just really been surrounded by some wonderful, talented, dedicated folks. The truth is, you're needed, right? There's a lot to do. Dr. Cooper, what, what surprised you about the, the impact that you can make in, in this kind of a position? I think the first thing was I didn't realize or I didn't know how much I didn't know until I went further along. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I really have a lot to learn. But, and, and that's the purpose of kind of going through the system that we have is that, you know, each year you spend in an office, you learn more and more. I was just laughing. I've long joked that it's like for each level that you ascend up, up the structure, it's like a magic door opens and right. you get more secret right. knowledge. Not that it's secret, but you just gain more knowledge and understanding each passing year. Right. And so I think as you as you move along, you see the different avenues that you can go to to you know work on make a difference and things like that. Um, it's just it's definitely a learning process for sure. And there are so many avenues which you can pursue if you are interested in working with students. You can work with liaison to the schools uh, if you'd like working with industry. Uh, there's definitely lots of room to work with them. And even with advocacy to a point, even though SECO is more of an educational organization, uh, advocacy and education are inextricably intertwined. And you've got to have both in order for the profession to move forward. So there are a lot of avenues that you can pursue to, to serve optometry. And SECO has plenty of those available for us. <laughs> Dr. Cook, earlier on, you, you said that Sometimes people kind of wonder why this is a momentous moment with the, with the two of you uh, transferring leadership. Um, representation matters at, at levels like this, doesn't it? And it's it's certainly gender representation and and others. How how is SECO responding to that? Well, I think we're um, you know we have lots of programs in place. I think. You know, one of the things that we do is, you know, we focus on students in the optometry schools and we focus on everyone to get involved, not just women, obviously, the more the better. But if you look to, even if you look at our board of trustees, we've got women on there now too. And so um, you're right. Representation is extremely important and it's just, just an evolution that our profession is going through. And it's a good evolution. Funny, I came across, I had a 
Yesterday, um, I was talking with an um, older 80, he's in his 80s, he's an optometrist here in South Carolina, and he gave me this pamphlet and he said, oh, I wanted you to have this for the 100th. And I looked and it was the handbook of the women's auxiliary of SECO. So there were no women, you know, it was just, it was all men. So the women formed their own club and called it the women's auxiliary. And I just thought that was like so amazing. And then I guess, oh, I think it was in the 80s or something, they disbanded because it wasn't needed anymore. But how crazy is that? You know, that we had, you know, a women's auxiliary. I was at uh, the Southern College of Optometry a couple of days ago uh, talking with the students and and got to meet with some of their the leadership and learned that a great percentage of their uh, student population is now reflects minorities. And I have to admit, when I went to school, that was a very small percentage. Uh, and I would say that's probably our next step along the evolutionary chain is that not only will we have more women, we will better represent the population with having more diverse leadership. There has been only a handful of, of different cultures and ethnicities represented at any of our leadership roles nationally and, and uh, regionally and probably at the state level as well. But I think we're going to see that change and I'm excited to, for it. Absolutely. And perhaps hearing the pathway, hearing how you've been able to do it and raise a family and work in your practices and be owners of your practices is, is the kind of encouragement that people need to hear that it's within reach for them too. Oh, absolutely. It's doable. It's very doable. You, you don't have to you know, sacrifice your life at the altar of optometry to serve. Um, you can, you, both Christy and I had help from our, our husbands and our families and things like that. And we, we are also blessed with great children. It's, it's possible. It really is possible. You don't, things are not mutually exclusive. Another facet of that is the mentality or the attitude that you can do it. I was fortunate to have parents who told me, if you work hard enough, you can be anything you want to be, do anything you want to do. And I'm sure that's within reason. But I never second-guessed what I wanted to do with my life. I knew I wanted it to be in healthcare. It, I ended up following the path of optometry. I went to the became trustees at the local meetings and then moved on up. And I feel like I bellied up to the table, if you will, with everyone else and just put out what I had to give. And I, I didn't ever feel like I had no reason to be there or that I didn't belong. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of it has to do with realizing that, that you do have something to offer, especially uh, when our profession is more than half female Um we do need that representation. So I think for, for many women, it's the idea that, you know, I, I can't do this or I, I shouldn't do this. That's not true at all. You can do it and you should, and your voice should be heard. I know that when uh, you, you mentioned the, the AOA and the, the women's leadership there, I, I know in, in a conversation that I had with uh, Dr. Dory Carlson, she said that sometimes the circumstances of your year as presidency define your year of presidency. You know, something uh, external uh, influences 
kind of what you what you are able to do or what becomes your your primary goal. Uh, Dr. Cook, is there anything that you're most proud of or did did those influences impact you? Well, I think we all realize the the COVID-19 pandemic required everybody to make changes in their day-to-day operations. Um, SECO is no different. I feel like you don't accomplish everything in just one year. You spend five or six years on this board, executive board. So a lot of that is gradually built upon and is passed hand-to-hand from all the members of this board. Uh, I feel like my sole priority was to Uh, protect our organization and see that it continued to provide what its members and its attendees needed. Um, I think we have done this successfully and we're ready to celebrate our 100th anniversary and usher in the future of optometry the next 100 years, uh, which would include a more diverse and reflective leadership. So I believe that that, uh, that's what my year reflects is that we've finished out our 100 years we pivoted and adjusted through the through the pandemic as everyone had to do. And I hope that all that is said is that I left the organization a little better than I found it. What about you, Dr. Cooper? Do you have a, a strategy for the year ahead? Well, Christy's going to be a hard act to follow. Let me tell you that. <laughs> so I don't know. She set the bar pretty high. That's going to be tough. But watch this woman go through the chairs, she's one step ahead of me and she's amazing. She, she downplays herself and she's very humble, but she's an amazing person. And um, I think for me, it's, I want Seiko to continue to provide the best education that's out there, which I think we do. I think we do a one of a kind job in providing education. And I just want to keep it in the forefront of everyone's mind, the importance of being together and live continuing education. Mm -hmm. To me, that is so vital. You do not get interactions with your colleagues over the computer. I mean, you're not going to get the same type of interactions. I tell people I've learned just as much having conversations with my colleagues during or after a lecture and, oh, tell me what you do. Tell me what you do. Oh, that's something that I can start doing Monday. I've learned just as much that way as I have through an actual lecture. So the big thing I'd like to focus on is that optometry, we keep our connection to each other, that we keep cohesive. And, you know, the old saying, united we stand, divided we fall. I want to make sure that we all stay connected and continue to learn from each other. Well said. I think my pet project for the year really uh, extends to the student outreach. It seems to me that, as Michelle was alluding to, people want to just get on their computer and get their education and go home. But you're missing out on such a vital part of that educational experience. Uh, And I really would like to uh, draw them back in. And, and have them appreciate what organized optometry does for them and their career and how getting to know your colleagues helps you advance the profession, when, especially if you need to go to the legislature for any reason. Um, all of those things go hand in hand. So I really want to continue to cultivate our relationships with the next generation uh, to continue to move us all forward. Yeah, absolutely. Because Christy and I, we're... We're not the future. We're kind of the past. You know, the people in school now, the new graduates, they're the future. 
And they're the ones that are going to have to take the mantle of our profession and move it forward. Um, they're allowed to do things now that, you know, we were never allowed to do. And their education is so much, I mean, it's just amazing the education they receive. So I want them to, you know, continue to, to, to number one, use their education to the fullest. And number two, to keep pushing the boundaries and keep moving the profession forward. And making those connections, you know, optometrists, we all kind of sniff each other out. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> we're all, we're all have like some very common personality traits. Like I like to think of us as kind of like a brotherhood or a sisterhood or whatever. I want to make sure that we, we keep that, that collegiality and that, that sense of, of um, brotherhood or sisterhood or whatever you want to call it and just carry that forward into the future and, and pass that feeling on to our, our new grads and our students. It's going to be a great event in Atlanta, uh, March 1 through 5. Anyone who's interested can learn more at attendseco.com. And it's just going to be a great moment in time with the two of you standing there at the podium doing something that hasn't happened in SECO's 100-year history. So congratulations to both of you. Thank you for the commitment you've given to SECO over the years and that uh, I'm certain you're not sprung from Dr. Cook. <laughs> no, she, she's got to hang around for a while longer. She's not done yet. <laughs> no, um, and I'm excited to to continue to serve however I can. I do want to add one point, this being our 100th celebration. We're going to highlight all the decades. So for the opening party or opening reception, it's a 1920s theme. So we encourage your listeners to attend and bring their 1920s outfits. Michelle and I have ours already picked out. It's going to be a lot of fun. We do. We have a student party. We have an allied health party. Um, I mean, it's just, it's going to be a fantastic meeting. So I would encourage everyone to, to come on down to Atlanta. And we have a few surprises in store. I don't want to give too much yeah. away. You might find a few things that are a little bit different. Yeah. Yep. That sounds fantastic. Dr. Cook, Dr. Cooper, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again on WO Voices. If you'd like to be a guest on the series, please send us an email at wovoicesonline at gmail.com through our website at womeninoptometry.com, through Facebook at WL Magazine, or through Twitter or Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.